Now, if you do have your Bible with you this morning, please do turn back to Jonah chapter 2 as we continue our series this morning. Now, last Sunday we began this series uh, looking at Jonah, the runaway prophet, and we could have left it last week with a bit of a cliffhanger. Because, as we saw last Sunday, though God has called Jonah to go and preach to the Ninevites, remember um, it become known to the Lord that uh, the Ninevites were were doing evil in his sight, um, and they were Assyrians, and so Jonah was called by God to go to Nineveh and to preach, uh, to tell the Ninevites to repent. Of course, what happens in the story, Jonah goes in completely the opposite direction and he disobeys uh, God. And he tries to take a ship to Tarshish. Now, it's interesting, isn't it? I think when I've thought of the story of Jonah, you kind of think, you know, that that Jonah is in, you know, somewhere. I mean, he was from Galilee. And you kind of think, well, you know, Nineveh is probably not that far away. You know, he's maybe a couple of miles up the road and maybe Tarshish is a couple of miles the other way. But that's not the case. Nineveh is quite far away from where Jonah is. And Tarshish, they reckon, was on the southern tip of Spain. It was miles away. It was as far away as Jonah could try to get to in those days. So Jonah tries to take this ship to Tarshish. He goes to Joppa to take the ship. And he gets in the boat And he ends up going down below deck and he falls asleep. But we know the story from last week because God sends this storm so violent that the boat is under threat. The sailors are scared. They're all calling upon their own gods. And the captain comes down uh, under the ship to say to Jonah, Jonah, wake up. Call out to your God. And it becomes known that Jonah has run away. And so the sailors throw Jonah overboard at Jonah's request because Jonah knows that this storm is a sign from God. And so Jonah is thrown overboard into the violent sea. And we we could last week have left things there. And if you didn't know the story, and most of us probably do know the story, if you didn't know the story, what a cliffhanger that would have been. Jonah in the sea. What's going to happen to him? Better than anything you would get in EastEnders or Coronation Street, isn't it? What a story. Because the sailors clearly think that Jonah is going to drown. They clearly think that. Before they throw him into the sea, they say, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. They think there's no chance for Jonah. And we don't really know what Jonah himself is thinking as he's thrown overboard. I wouldn't think he had much thought of being saved as he's thrown over the side into this stormy sea. I guess we can maybe gleam from his prayer that he does think this is the end for him. And down he goes into the sea And we might think to ourselves, if we don't know the story, is this the end for Jonah? Is this just simply punishment for his disobedience? 
And down, 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 Jonah goes. It looks like the end. And remember we saw last week how how Jonah had gone down to Joppa, how he'd gone down into the boat, down under the boat, below the deck. And now he's going down, down, down into the sea, further and further away from God. It looks like the end, doesn't it? But then all of a sudden, you can't really see it in that picture, there's a wee man there, and there is a huge fish uh, down below. Suddenly this huge fish comes into view in this story. And it opens its mouth, and it swallows Jonah. And we are told that it's the Lord that provides this huge fish, maybe a whale, we're not quite sure. And Jonah is in its belly for three days and three nights. Jonah has been saved. Now, the first thing I want to think about today is about the the truthfulness of this story. Because maybe you come to this story and you think, how can someone survive in a fish's stomach for three days and three nights? How could that possibly be? Is this really a true story? Or is this a kind of myth that's really just there to to teach us some kind of moral lesson? Well, there are reported cases of people being swallowed by whales, especially, and surviving. Indeed, there was a case reported um, last year. Uh, Though that person was only in the mouth, it was in the mouth of a sperm whale, Uh, for 20 or 30 seconds. So it does happen. But there are two reasons why I believe this story is true. The first reason is this. In Matthew's gospel we've been looking at, before we've been looking at Jonah, Jesus refers to this story as true, as something that actually happened. And if Jesus says so, then that's good enough for me. I believe what Jesus says. But secondly, I want to say to you this morning this. Which is a greater miracle? That Jonah survives three days and three nights in a large fish. Or that Jesus died on the cross, was buried, and rose again on the third day. Which is the greater miracle? Now, of course, the latter... Jesus dying on the cross, being placed in the tomb. And then on Easter Sunday morning, the stone being rolled away from the tomb, the grave clothes being folded, and Jesus being alive. That's the foundation of our faith, isn't it? We believe that this happened. And if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, why shouldn't we believe that Jonah survived in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. Let's not take out the miraculous aspects of the Bible. Because at the end of the day, this is God we are talking about. And God can do far more than we can ever imagine. Now, I'm not saying that this is an everyday occurrence. I'm not saying, you know, go to Seawell Beach jump in the sea and see if a whale picks you up. I'm not saying that today. And yes, it's unlikely. 
But it's God who provides the fish. That's quite clear in this passage, isn't it? It's God who provides the fish. And we see in verse 10, it's the Lord who commands the fish. And so I want you to see, first of all this morning, that it's God who's in control, it's God who's in charge, and he truly is the Lord of all creation. God can do these things because God is God. And he's unlike us. He truly is the Lord of all. And because he is the Lord of all, we can trust him. Because he is powerful and nothing is beyond his reach. When the sailors threw Jonah into the sea, they thought that was the end. There is no survival for Jonah. We don't know how far they were away from land. Remember the sailors had tried to row back to land. They just weren't able. The storm was too great. And if you've ever been in a boat in a storm, I've not really been in a storm, but it's been pretty ropey and I don't like boats. If you fell overboard, you would think, no chance, not a hope. But God provides the fish. Salvation for Jonah. And so Jonah remains in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Now, I just want to pause there for a moment. Can you imagine what kind of experience that would have been? Can you imagine it? As you look at that fish there and you think, going into its stomach, what do you think? It says in the prayer that there was seaweed wrapped around Jonah's head. I guess this fish might have been eating other fish. I've got no idea. I guess it would have been smelly. And as I've said, I don't like being in a boat, especially when it's a wee bit rocky and a wee bit stormy. What do you think it would have been like being in the belly of a fish? And it's swimming around. But like a roller coaster up and down and round about. Horrendous, horrible, dark, smelly. Probably tossed from side to side in the middle of this large fish. Just horrible. But better than being dead. That's what I want you to notice this morning. Because you might think, oh, that's horrible. Who'd want to be in the belly of a whale? Or a big fish. Disgusting. But this was God's way of salvation for Jonah. And from the belly of the fish, Jonah prays. And the prayer reflects what has happened to Jonah and how the Lord has answered Jonah's cry. Because in his distress, Jonah cried out to the Lord, and the Lord answered the Lord answered. You see, Jonah was going down into the depths. He was going down into the heart of the sea. The deep surrounded him. He was going down to the roots of the mountains, as it's described here. But the Lord heard him. The Lord listened so that Jonah had hope. Hope that he would again look towards the holy temple. And the Lord is the one who brings him up from the pit and who brings life. Now in our life, it may not be that we're in a vast ocean, in a stormy sea in danger of dying. But the fact is that if we run from God, if we willfully disobey him, 
then we're all in danger. We're in danger in our lives. We're in danger of being estranged from God. When it's only in God that there is light and truth and life and hope and only in Him. And we need to recognize that God is not someone who we can mess around. Perhaps Jonah thought that. He heard that message from God and he thought, not a chance. I'm off. He thought he could escape from God. No one can escape from God. That's what I want to say to you this morning. None of us can. There will be a day of reckoning when we come before Almighty God. God is not someone that we can mess around. We might get our own way with others, but we can't get our own way with God. And Jonah recognizes in the belly of this fish that God is inescapable, that it's God who has saved him, it's God who has brought his life up from the pit. You see, just in time, we see in verse 7, Jonah remembers the Lord and he prays to him. You see, Jonah had disobeyed God. He'd run in the opposite direction. But it was not too late to turn, to come back and to do the right thing. And kind of at the last moment here, it's almost as if Jonah's being thrown over the side and then he remembers, oh, the Lord, I should remember him. He's the one who holds my life in his hands. And it wasn't too late. You see, Jonah remembers the Lord. He's like the the prodigal son coming to his senses. Remember the story of the lost son? He spends everything he has and he's there feeding the pigs, wishing he could eat the, the food the pigs were eating. And at that moment, he comes to his senses. Oh, I should go back home to my father. It's almost like that with Jonah. Jonah's been running away, running away. Oh, I'm in a terrible pickle here. He remembers the Lord, comes to his senses. And for us, if we know that we are going down into the deep, if we know that we are far away from God, I want to say today, it's not too late for us either. Because as it says in Acts, today is the day of salvation. And as Jonah says in his prayer, salvation comes from the Lord. Salvation comes from Him. Indeed, there's nowhere else that salvation can come from. Not idols, as Jonah says, and we've, we've already seen that with the, the sailors every sailor calling upon their God. None of their gods answered because none of them truly is God. But when they saw what happened to Jonah, then they worshipped the Lord, the true God. Salvation comes from the Lord. And indeed, when Jonah recognizes that, that salvation comes from the Lord, he says he will offer sacrifices and make vows. And if you notice something, do you remember that's exactly what the sailors did? 
Remember that? When they threw Jonah into the sea, the sailors then made sacrifices and made vows. They did exactly the same thing. And that's what happens when we understand that God is God. When salvation comes from God alone, the only thing that we can do actually is worship. That's what these sacrifices and vows were all about. It was about worship. You see, we see Jonah remembering God, realizing that God has remembered him, and realizing that salvation comes from the Lord alone. And so he promises to worship, to worship the Lord. What about you in your life? When you you understand, you know, God has saved you from the pit, that you were running far away from God, and yet God has given you salvation in Jesus. Do you come before him and worship? The other thing that's really important for us to remember here and to note here is that God shows Jonah grace. And let's not miss this, because this is going to be so important when we get to chapters 3 and 4, God willing. Because here, firsthand, Jonah has experienced the salvation of God. God did not have to save Jonah. He did not have to send this big fish to swallow Jonah. And yet, God does. Why did God do that? Because that is the kind of God we have. He is a God of love. He's a God of grace. He's a God of compassion. And even when someone like Jonah has turned away from him, God says, I will still save you, Jonah. Jonah has experienced the salvation of God. And the fact is, God doesn't have to save any of us. He really doesn't. And yet, he sent his only son that we might know forgiveness and salvation and life. That's the wonderful reality that God reaches out to each one of us in grace. Now, the last thing that happens happens in verse 10 because after three days, and I don't really know why it had to be three days, did it take that long for, for Jonah to acknowledge God? Perhaps. Maybe God knew that three days was significant. It was a foreshadowing of what would happen with, with Jesus. But whatever way it is, after three days, the Lord commands the fish and it vomits Jonah onto dry land. Yuck. That's not very nice, is it? Yuck, it must have been. I want you to notice he's alive. A bath, a scrub, Jonah would have been okay. He would have been fine. Now again here, we see that God is in control of his creation. And I don't want to, to major on this for the squeamish when we're mentioning vomit and all these kind of things. But what is worth mentioning is that the fish vomits Jonah out. Now, why not spits him out or tosses him out? Why vomit? Why does it have to be vomit? Well, if you think about it in the Bible, being vomited out has an understandably negative connotation. It probably highlights the Lord's displeasure with Jonah. 
And we see this if you go to the book of Leviticus and you, you know, search for the word vomit, you'll see, you know, it's often when there's displeasure. You know, I'm going to vomit you out of, your, out of my mouth. And so this is the Lord's displeasure with Jonah. Yes, he's alive, but he's not pleased with him. And yes, Jonah has again acknowledged God. But the question that we're left with is, will Jonah now do as God has asked him to do? Indeed, is God going to ask him to do it? Is he going to do that or not? Or is he going to say, look, Jonah, I'm done with you. You know, just go home. You're no longer a prophet. What's he going to do? That's the question. You see, God isn't pleased with Jonah. Jonah's disobeyed disobeyed him. But despite Jonah running away, God has been gracious and saved him. And crucially, and I don't want to spoil it for next week, he's given him a second chance to be obedient. And the question for us as we go into chapter 3 is, will he take it? Will he take this opportunity? Now, we can leave it as a cliffhanger until we get to next week, but what I want to say to you is this. Jonah gets a second chance. He gets a second chance. And for you in your life today, maybe you just need to know today that God is a God of second chances. Maybe you just need to know that in your heart today. Maybe there are things in your life that you regret, and there are things in all our lives that we regret. Sometimes we all live, don't we? We we only see each other at a surface level, whereas underneath, we all have issues, all got difficulties, all got regrets in our life, things that we've done wrong, things that we struggle over, and maybe we've struggled with for years. Maybe there are times that you know you've displeased God in your words, in your actions, or by how you've been living out your life. And maybe you think this disqualifies you from being a Christian. Maybe you just think, you know, once you're on the downward path, you keep going down. But what I want you to see is that Jonah went down, down to Joppa, down into the ship, down into the, below the deck of the ship, down into the waters, down into the belly of the fish. But then what happens? He comes back up again. He's vomited out onto the dry land. God brings him up. There was a second chance for Jonah. And I want to say to you this morning, there's a second chance for you. And all throughout the Bible, don't think this is just limited to Jonah. All throughout the Bible, we see people being given second chances. We've already looked at Moses this morning. Moses, who killed a man, regretted it, probably lived with that guilt for for 40 years, thinking God could never use me. Forty years later, God calls. David, David, pretty righteous man. But then what happens? Falls into sin with Bathsheba. Peter, Peter, probably one of the three main disciples, Peter, James, and John, close to Jesus, saw the transfiguration. Wow. And yet Peter denies Jesus. But they all had a second chance. 
And if we acknowledge our sin before Almighty God and say, Lord, I'm sorry for what I've done. I want to turn back to you. I put my faith and trust in you because I recognize that salvation is found in you alone. If we come in repentance and faith before the Lord, I want you to know this morning God is a God of second chances. In fact, he's not just a God of second chances, but third chances, and fourth and fifth and sixth chances. So come to him today. Know that salvation is found in him. And let us do what the Lord wants us to do in honoring him and obeying him. Not because we have to, but because we want to. You see, when you're found in God, when you understand all that God has done for us, when you understand the grace of God, the love of God, the compassion of God, then there's something inside that that, that compels us, that says, Lord, after I know what you've done for me, I want to live out my life for you. I want to honor you and, and glorify you. You see, salvation is not about trying harder and trying to be a good person. It's about living out a life in thankfulness to the Lord and saying, Lord, I love you because you first loved me. So let's learn from this story of Jonah this morning. Let's see the grace that God shows to Jonah. And let's understand that God is a God of second chances. Shall we just pray together? Let's pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for your words to us this day. And there is so much in this prayer to to focus upon. We recognize at the last moment that Jonah called out to you, Lord God, that he recognized he'd gone on the wrong path, gone the wrong way. And when he cried out to you, Lord God, you listened. You heard his cry. And you saved him. And Lord God, in our own lives, we we recognize there are many times when we let you down. Many times when we go the wrong path and the wrong way. Many things that perhaps we regret in our lives. But Father, we thank you that we can trust that when we call out to you, that you will listen. And we thank you that we can trust that you will listen because that is the kind of God you are. That you're a God of love and a God of grace and a God of mercy. And even when we're down in the depths, you can bring us back up from the pit and you can set our feet upon the solid rock who is the Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, if we come before you today, And we're worried or concerned about our salvation. We're worried that we have drifted so far away from you, Lord God, that we can never be brought back. Lord God, help us to take solace in this passage today and to understand that you're the God of the second and third and fourth chances. And that when Jesus died on the cross at Calvary, He died for our sin, past, present.
present and future. The price is paid, fully paid, for all our sin. And we are washed clean in the blood of Christ. So, Heavenly Father, we come before you today. We ask that you would strengthen our faith in you. And we might know the joy of our salvation. So, Father, speak to us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, we pray. For we pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.